Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back to another episode of Success at Last. I am super excited for today's conversation with Scott Williams of Delap and Craig Wanachek of Summit Bank. We are going to be talking about goals. Fundamentally, we all know that goals are a way to focus our attention, focus our time. Fundamentally, our lives become the sum of our decisions. Andrew Carnegie once said, if you want to be happy, set a goal that commands your thoughts, liberates your energy, and inspires your hope. So with that, I want to introduce our guests today, Scott and Craig. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Scott, you and I were talking offline uh, when we were brainstorming on this episode, what we could talk about to create value for our listeners. We were talking about this concept of goals and, and you immediately thought of Craig. So talk to me about Craig and the story that led to that experience. Yeah. So Craig, this is, I don't remember how long ago, two or three years ago, Craig and I were at a Blazer game back when in the good old days when you could attend Blazer games in person. And we were sitting there during uh, halftime or something like that. And somehow goals came up. I don't remember exactly how it came up, but Craig pulled out his wallet and he pulled out a crumpled up piece of paper that was stuck in the middle of his wallet. And he said, these are my goals, I think from college, right, Craig? And <laughs> something like that. And it just, it hit me, it struck a chord because I've always been a fan of goals ever since I was a kid. My dad ingrained it into my brain. And, and so to talk with another professional out there, a client of ours that is big on goals, it just kind of struck up a good conversation between him and me. And so, as I know, Jared, as, as we've been talking about podcasts and things like that, I said, what a great opportunity to talk to somebody who's passionate about goal setting. That's pretty impressive. That's some good, high quality Dunder Mifflin paper there. How old was that sheet of paper that uh, you broke out that day at the, the Blazer game? It's old. Well, I was in school a long time ago. I still have them. I'll get them out here in a minute. They, I've had to redo them a couple of times because they wear out and you can't read them anymore. So before that happens, I write them down again and put them on a note card. It happened. Our fraternity was under double secret probation and they sent the dean of students over and I think his name was Ballinger. He was the men's gymnastic coach and became dean of the men. And he said, he went through this whole story about how there was a group, and Scott knows the story of Harvard graduates, and some of them wrote goals down, and they ended up, you know, 100 times more wealthy than those who graduated from Harvard that didn't write their goals down. So in my, my brilliance, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, my God, all I've got to do is write these goals down and I can be successful and make a lot of money. And so anyway, I sat down. We spent some time, me and a few of my fraternity brothers, spending time writing goals. But I wrote them down and I had, uh, you know, he said one and five and 10 and 20. So they're all in there. Now I'm past 20, but I still have the sheet. 
Craig, I can't help but wonder about how old were you when you originally drafted that, that list? 21 years old. So when you think about what was on that list and then forecast it out to present day, I guess, to what extent were those goals the right goals? I mean, did you have enough vision at 21 to know what those right goals would be today? Or to what extent have you had to revisit and recalibrate those goals? They were pretty close. Personal development goals. You know, some of them were around social, church, life, business. So yeah, one of them was to be president of the largest financial institution in the Northwest. That was one of my goals 30 years ago. And, you know, some it's not there yet, but uh, we're, quick, you know, certainly a fast growing bank. And, you know, I had a goal on there to, to own a house in Black Butte. And finally, that became a reality two years ago. We have a little cabin over there. And, you know, the weight goals have always been a challenge. And the bench press goal that's on there has been a challenge. But marathon was on there take that one off. And so some of them have been accomplished and, and some of them are still on there and I'm striving for it. That's awesome. Well, hey, Craig, I, I was so excited to jump into goals. I just blew past you and your story and, and Scott. So let's just reset. My apologies. I was just fired up to talk about your list. Talk to me about who you are and where you came from. So just to kind of bring all of our listeners up to speed and, and, and who's sharing today. Fourth generation Ben Dyke. So I grew up in, in Bend and, you know, had a great childhood and fun and, you know, just everything you'd imagine. And went to school at the University of Oregon, had a great experience, ended up with an economics degree and always kind of wanted to be in some sort of financial industry and started as it got my Series 7, was making 150 cold calls a day, decided that wasn't probably the perfect fit for me. Then ended up in banking at U.S. Bank and worked there for nine years. Went to work for one of my clients. Monaco Coach was a manufacturer of RVs in Eugene and Indiana and was there for five years and learned a lot there. Had a very unique experience there. And then I've been at, at Summit Bank. I miss banking. I love community banking and have been at the bank now for 12, 12 or 13 years. Two kids, empty nesting, as far as I know, is kind of a myth. They're 24 and 23 and still they're here, which has been fun, but they're they're here both working, working away. And and Amy, who went to Oregon State, I went to Oregon, but we met after school and and you know, been married 26 years. So love Eugene, love the Ducks, uh, love the state of Oregon. Awesome. Well, I, I share that affinity. Scott, you're a business partner and we get the opportunity to spend our days together helping create clarity and confidence for clients, but give the listeners kind of a quick Backstory on you. Yes. I'm a California native. I hate to admit it. When in fact, when I moved to Oregon, someone told me, Don't ever admit that you're from California. So I, I do keep that close to the vest sometimes. But no, I grew up in San Jose, which actually I really loved. The Bay Area was just going through such a dynamic time back in those days. I went to college at Brigham Young University out in Provo and studied accounting. Kind of happened on accounting. I, I lucked out because they have a really strong accounting program there. When I graduated, I got a master's in accounting and I, I decided I didn't want to go back to California. I got married while I was in college. And, and so my wife and I you know, were just looking at options and we had some family in the Seattle area and the Portland area. And so we checked out both of those locations and ended up working for PricewaterhouseCoopers in Portland. When I graduated, I spent five, six years there, had a wonderful experience, just a great firm, you know, learned a ton and ultimately decided this is what I want to do, you know, for my career. And so then it was just a matter of where and 
we were having kids and and looking to settle down a little bit. And the path at the big firm was was going to take us through a lot of moves and moving around the country. And we were looking for something a little bit more stable. So, in fact, the lap got in contact with me about that time that we were kind of evaluating and we recorded for about a year. But back in 2008, I joined the team at DeLap and became a partner in 2013, I think it was. And, and it's just been an awesome ride. So I'm an assurance partner focusing pretty much anything but taxation is my specialty. Currently, I focus quite a bit on the financial institution space, the community banks. And that's how I got to meet Craig several years ago, working with him and his bank. Awesome. Well, thank you both for the background. Craig, why do you think those that exercise of writing your goals down and keeping them in front of you played a role in helping you accomplish and stay on track? What was the impact of those? It wasn't just lead on paper. There was something that happened. I, I kind of want to know why. I think uh, you create the belief just by writing it down. And some of those things that I wrote down were a bit of a stretch at the time as you're sitting there at 21 years old to think that you can achieve that. So you write it down, you believe it can happen, or you wouldn't write it down. But I do think part of it is putting on paper. So I think there's a, a big, you get your mind wrapped around that, you know, you can do this, you can achieve that. You know, you revisit them all the time because they're right there with you and they fall out of your wallet. And obviously when you're young and starting out, there's not a lot of money in there. And sometimes you just look in there and all there'd be would be the goals in there. <laughs> so you'd have to revisit your goals, but uh, you know, I've shared them with people. So there's some accountability, some pure accountability. Those are the main things is you've got to believe that you can achieve it to write it down. And even when you stretch, your mind gets comfortable with whether that's a number, whether that's a goal, and you have to be comfortable that you can do it or you're just not going to be able to do it. As I have set out big goals or tried new things, one of the, the things that I've personally dealt with or battled is imposter syndrome. The belief that you're not ready or you're not as good as people might think that you are. I mean, when you build, when you throw down some big goals or step into a new big role, is that something that you've ever had to, to battle is kind of that imposter syndrome or not as much? I was blessed with a lot of ignorance about my own ability. So I, I have always had the confidence that I can do it. You know, I think that their self-doubts creeped in there a couple of times, but I think your goals help you keep focused as well. That, you know, you're driving towards this, you wrote it down, you can achieve it, you've achieved others. So why wouldn't you be able to achieve this one? It takes a lot of, we're talking about me, but what a lot of the goals I've achieved, there's been a lot of other people that have made it happen. And um, so sharing that, you know, people I think want to get on board or something that's going in the right direction or has a direction. So, yeah, I think that there's maybe a little bit of, of confidence that creeps in there, but I think writing it down and sticking to it helps you get over that hump. I concur. Scott, you and I share an affinity for reading, you know, the old cliche that uh, leaders are readers. What are some books you think on this topic that you've particularly found impactful? If you were to gift books on the topic of leadership, what would be two or three of the most impactful books that you could give somebody? Yeah, great question. So in fact, the last book that I did gift, I gifted it to my kids, a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod is the name of the author. I don't know if either of you have read it. It's a short book. He just released a documentary, the author did. And I've read you know, many, many books on goals and things like that over the years. And this book is about more than just goals, but the book 
In fact, what made me think about it was something you said, Craig, you know, talking about the imposter syndrome or the self-doubt, because one of the things that this book teaches you to do in the Miracle Morning is to do some self-affirmations, positive affirmations. And so there's a morning routine that I've adopted from that book that I go through every morning. And one of those is saying out loud some positive affirmations and, and it typically will have to do with my goals. Because sometimes you may set one of those big goals, we call it the BHAG, right? Big, hairy, audacious goal. And it's out there and it's like, wow. I mean, like Craig, 30 years ago, I'm going to be the CEO of the biggest bank in the Northwest. You know, I'm 21 years old. That's a BHAG. Or I may set a goal, I'm going to be a partner in a, in a CPA firm, you know, when I'm in college, that's a BHAG. And it could almost seem unachievable. And so what you try to do is you have to believe that you can do it. And that's where the affirmations come into play. But then what I like to do if I set one of those big goals is break it down into smaller goals. What are the things I can do today? If I do this consistently over time, it's really about establishing good habits. But if I do these habits consistently over time, then the goal almost takes care of itself. And even if you don't reach the goal, you're probably way better off than you would have been otherwise. Yeah. So I don't lose too much sleep over, I have a goal, but if I, if I reach it, you know, eventually I will, but maybe, maybe it's later, maybe it's sooner than what I wanted. But the goal has always pushed me to do something that I wouldn't otherwise do. And so I'm better off than I would have been without the goal. Yeah, yeah I see that. Greg, what about you? Any any books on the topic of goal setting that you've found particularly impactful? I just on that, on the, the the bigger goals, you do just have to chunk them off. And, you know, I've always tried to whatever you're doing, you've got to be the best at what you're doing. Even if your goal is X and right now you're, I started in the, as a teller and new accounts and, you know, your goal has to be to be really good at what you're doing, even if you think your next step is this, this, and this, you do have to chunk them off and make sure that you're focused on trying to do what you're doing well. Goals and leadership. I have the book, What Got You There Won't Get, or What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I've shared that with people. As you do become a leader, there are different traits that you have to look at differently. On goals, you know, we had, I had a friend who listened to Tony Robbins, and you can say what you will about Tony Robbins. He said it changed his life. And there, there again, I'm just, maybe I'm just not very smart, but I, I'm like, well, if it changes this guy's life, I'm going to listen to it. And uh, so I listen to it. I still have it. And, you know, there's a lot of good things in there that have, you know, affected how I approach my life. And none of it is earth shattering. But, you know, one thing I always take away is you can control your attitude. No matter what happens to you every day, you can control how you react. And so you're 100% in charge of your attitude. We talk about that at the bank. and But that's just been an important thing that, that I took away is we're in charge of how we act and behave. And no matter what's coming at us, still be positive, still look for a solution and still try to try to turn something, something good out of whatever's affecting you or, or happening to you. You're still in charge of your attitude. And so, Craig, I, I couldn't agree with you more. In psychology, I think that the... More technical term is locus of control. You know, when you have an internal locus of control, you take ownership of your life and you realize that you're you're always in control of how you respond. And generally speaking, people with an internal locus of control are more more successful and more happy because they don't find themselves in a place you know of an inaction because they've they've assumed a, a victim status. And so that's spot on. No, it's not always easy. 
Oh, it's for sure not easy. I, I throw some spectacular one man pity parties. Like I'm good. I'm phenomenal at them. <laughs> My father-in-law once told me I was going through a tough, tough time with one of the businesses. He's like, man, you're in a slump. I'm like, what? He said, you're in a slump. I'm like, geez, thanks a lot. So <laughs> that was maybe this, your father-in-law told you you're in a slump. You're in a slump. You're in a slump. You're in a slump. That's not what you want to hear from your father-in-law. Giving me a lot of great advice over the years. And then he said, you can get out of the slump, you know, but you got to keep swinging. Some of these things are very simple. They're hard to do, but you just got to be vigilant. Yeah. Absolutely. Craig, you said something there that just reminded me of another, just another thought that I want to share. And you got to keep swinging when you're in the slump, right? That's the hardest thing to do, but it's the simplest thing to do too. I mean, it's to me, when you think about these goals, it's, it's the consistency of the little things that you're doing that is going to help you achieve that goal. If you set a goal to, for example, I like to do triathlon. So if I set a goal, I'm going to go do an Ironman or, you, you know, you talked about a marathon, you could set the goal, but if you don't do anything about it, it's never going to happen. You're going to get out there and it's going to be a super painful and a, you know, probably a failure of an experience. And so right now, for example, I'm training for this half Ironman and there's, plenty of days where I feel like I'm in a slump, right? It's like, I don't want to go for the run today. I'm tired. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to go jump in the pool and swim. It's cold, but you do it as you do those little things over time, then you can achieve and you can exceed your goals based on the amount of consistency that you have on a day-to-day basis. I think that's really the key is those daily habits. In fact, when I think about goals, I almost just think about goals are just there to help us develop good habits that are helping. And then the goal, again, it takes care of itself. Scott, I, I like that a lot. As somebody who's always been goal-oriented, one of the things that if you, with goals, if you don't approach it maybe the right way, the book Atomic Habits broke it down for me in a way that I helped help me understand it. Goals are great, right? But the the vast majority of the joy you will get in accomplishing a goal are the small wins along the way. The actual achievement of the goal itself is is very rarely as exciting as we would have hoped. So the joy is really the journey. And if I guess you don't really, the Atomic Habits broke it down a little bit differently because I always used to just reverse engineer, how do I get there? And was so focused on the destination that I found no joy in the process. And the author of that book talks about aligning habits with identity and letting the results fall out of that. And the goals are a byproduct of that. And I think that's a dip, slightly different way of approaching it. Like you, you train because you certainly want to be ready for the, the triathlon. But more importantly, you, you train because that's what a healthy person does. And that's who you are, right? And so it's an expression or alignment of your identity. So it's, it's both supporting your identity, but preparing you for a goal. No, that, and that's a great book. Atomic Habits is, in fact, I finished that one about a month ago. It's a great book. And for me, the goal is something that is incredibly motivational for me. If I, I have to have a goal, I have to have something that I'm working towards. And so maybe another way to spin on that, Jared, is if you, it goes deeper than that. Why would I set a goal to complete a, a half Ironman you know, race? Well, what's the value that I have that's driving that goal? One of my values is health. I want to live a long, healthy life. I want to be able to play hard when I'm old and do lots of things. And you, you never know what's going to happen, but I want to give myself the best chance to do that. So that's a value that I have. But to, to help me be encouraged or motivated to live that value, for me, what helps is I set the big goal. 
But then it's the daily things that get me there. And it is, it's the journey. That's what you really learn to love and enjoy. But again, it doesn't happen overnight. That's the part that perseverance is the old water, the bamboo principle. That's another book, Greg Bell, but the, the yeah. bamboo story of giant timber bamboo, where you can water it every day for three, four, five years. After you plant the seed, you don't see the seed. You don't see anything sprout through the earth. And so you just have to be diligent and perseverant. But then once that seed sprouts through, it'll literally grow. I think it's like 90 feet in 60 days. I mean, if you sat there and looked at it, you could see the plant grow, you know? And, and so it's just that daily, those atomic habits, those little habits that you do make all the difference over time. Absolutely. Go ahead, Craig. It is fun. The journey is fun, but you do have to celebrate the success too. I, yeah. Yeah. I do look when you reach them and you, you, that is very satisfying that all the hard work or whatever you did paid off. So, you know, I don't discount accomplishing yeah. those goals. There's a sense of accomplishment, Craig, that, so I did my first half Ironman two years ago. And at the end of it, I wanted to cry because my body hurt so bad, but I felt so good at the same time. I mean, and, and it is true. Like when you get to the end and you're, you're at that finish line, that last hundred feet, hundred yards, and the family's there cheering you on. And the, you feel like the world is cheering you on the Ironman company. They, they do it right. They make you feel good. And, and it's awesome. Or I think of some of the other big, big goals that I've had over my career, you know, professionally. And it is, it is a time that when you do achieve those, take, soak it all in and, and enjoy it. One of the things I think that's interesting is how important no is. And it seems to be a recurring theme on this show across a lot of different topics. So when we talk about strategy, often strategy is more about what we say no to, getting clarity around that. And I kind of want to explore what role the no muscle plays in goal pursuit. So if goal achievement requires us to say no to good things so that we can say yes to great things, I'm kind of curious, like over the last five years, what are some of the things that you've gotten better at saying no to, to support goals and and goal pursuit? I think one of the things, and if somebody in the bank listens to this, they may disagree, but what got you here won't get you there. When you have some success or experience like we do, you want to help and you want to provide value. And sometimes that you're not helping. (laughs) Most of the time you're not helping. So I think I've got tried and still have a long ways to go, but but getting better is seeing people grow and make those decisions themselves and and not being trying to add value all the time because I'm not really adding value. So, you know, that's part of the rewarding part is is seeing others set goals and achieve them. And a lot of times they'll do them differently than you will, but achieve even greater success than than you could. So I think trying to say no to, especially if you have a lot of goals and like to strive to do things, to just say, no, I'm going to not help. You know, my helping is not really helping in this situation. My helping is trying to support and get, get the heck out of the way. So I, hopefully I'm trying to, trying to do better. It's probably on my list, but I'm trying to do better at that. But we, we do, do talk about our strategic planning too. No, no what we're not going to do is just important. It's what we're going to do because we, only have a limited amount of resources, both human time and financial capital. And so it's really important to focus on what you're good at, nothing new, what you're good at, and try to do more of that. Yeah. Scott, any thoughts on uh, an area in terms of on your no muscle, ways that uh, you've been 
getting better at eliminating those distractions that get in the way of goal pursuit? The Yeah, the no muscle is a muscle that I'm constantly trying to work out. Some days I have more success than others. But in terms of saying no, the thing that I like to think about is or try to avoid is goal overload. You know, sometimes it could be initiative overload, even in a company where you're just you're trying to do too many things. And I think that can be an issue. I've had that problem in my life where I've just, you're spread too thin because I want to do all these different things and they're great pursuits, great endeavors. But what you end up doing is you just barely make a buy and instead of really just crushing one or two things or being a specialist or really, you know, being a master at your craft. So that's something that I've seen. And I, I think less is more in the terms of goals. And as I've gotten older, gone through my profession or my personal life, I've my views of goals have actually changed a little bit to where it used to be like these BHAGs where you put them out there and, okay, I'm going to work towards this. But now many of my goals are trying to really change who I am as a person in a good way, try to become a better listener, a better husband, a better partner at the lap, you know, whatever it is. And so it's not, it's not really a goal where there's just a destination. It's more of a goal where I'm going to try to develop those atomic habits to use that book title. And by doing those, I'm going to master those habits. They're going to become part of who I am. And then I can say, okay, I've accomplished that goal. And now I can move on to the next one. And so try to prioritize which one is more or less important. But I see it more of trying to change who I am. Who am I trying to become professionally or personally versus, you know, just one event that may or may not take place in the future. Although I have some of those still too. It's kind of turned into the bucket list that, you know, that type of goal list. The bucket list list. That's yes. uh, mixed reviews on that. Probably a good thing. Might not be the best thing. Who knows? <laughs> I guess the inverse of that might be if we, we talked about eliminating something, you know, working on the no muscle. What What's something over the last five years, a new belief, a new behavior, a new habit that's helped you improve your understanding of goal setting and goal pursuit? As you guys scratch your brain, for an answer on that one, I, I thought I'd just share uh, Michael Hyatt, I think a wonderful content creator around productivity. He worked really closely, actually an Oregon author, Daniel Harkavy, to write Living Forward, a book about life planning. The concept of like life planning, planning is done best going backwards, but execution is best done going forwards. And so there's that dichotomy. He created a resource that for me has been wonderful called the Full Focus Planner. And it's an opportunity to take kind of a life plan, right? So this document that was created going backwards, but then integrated into the decisions that you're making as you're executing and going forward. So implementing the full focus planner for me has been a helpful thing with a monthly offsite to kind of just audit how am I doing and what's most important next? Kind of the Lou Holtz called those wins, W-I-N, what's important now? Like what are the wins over the next 90 days? And that cadence has been been really helpful. So it allows me to kind of live my day with a little bit more intentionality and create that focus of, hey, here are the three things that I hope to accomplish this week and deconstructing those into what do I have to accomplish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Because the tyranny of the urgent is going to flare up. And so it, w- without some big rocks in the calendar, it's difficult to accomplish what's most important uh, because what's most, an urge- most urgent kind of that gets loud and noisy and it captivates us. Yeah. Great thoughts. For me, to answer your question, going back to that book I mentioned, I think a little bit earlier, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod was really a transformational read for me. 
I used to not be a morning person. I am now. And that really has transformed the way I, I look at everything. Instead of going to bed, you know, dreading the morning, you go to bed and you're excited about it. You can't wait to get up in the morning because if you can get up before, you know, everybody else and you, you check off these two or three or four, five, six different things, really the rest of the day is gravy. You've already won the day. But it starts with, I, I really like what you said, Jared, it starts with like a values exercise. What am I trying to accomplish? Who am I trying to be? And that just shapes how you spend your time. And that does change, you know, over time, obviously. But, but in terms of things that I've changed as part of my routine or things that have really impacted me, it's that morning routine. And then the second thing would be being very intentional about the goals and how I use my time. And so time management tactics are a dime a dozen. You got to find what works for you. For me, I've found that I have to use the calendar. If it's not on the calendar, it's just not going to get done. And so I try to use that for everything and to plan time, to allocate time for all those different goals that I'm working on or habits that I'm trying to develop or whatever it may be. And I find that when I do that, it's kind of like writing a goal down, I guess. You've made it, okay, now it's real. Now I have to do it. You know, another good tactic for goals is to tell everybody about it. You know, if you set a goal, tell everybody. That's what I do when I the first time I did a half Ironman, I told everybody about it because then there's no backing out because I got too much pride to back, you know, if I tell everybody I'm going to do this and now, and then if I back out, that alone would keep me going. And then there's never a regret once you get through it and you accomplish that. That's awesome. Craig, anything come to mind? I think learning to do one, you know, one big thing, you know, that's, there's a book on that too that I read, but if none of this is, first, you know what it is. Sometimes it's just hard to do. And you just don't put it off. You know, there's one thing you need to do today. And if we just all did that one thing every day, the other stuff just kind of, you know, it's going to fit in. But there's always one big thing, one call you need to make, one plan you need to put together, one whatever it is. And you just, you dig in. And the other thing is you get older and everything's still there the next day, right? Those emails are still there. Stuff falls off the, you know, I'd say this at work, stuff falls off the table. And when you're starting, you just try to do everything. But now there's so much information and, and so much flow of information. It's hard to do everything. So you really have to focus on what you're going to do and understand that all that stuff is going to be there the next day. Back to a little bit about what you said, Jared. I'm a, I'm a little different on the looking back. You know, I have a personal mission statement that I've crafted and modified over the years. And so that kind of aligns me roughly with where I'm trying to go. And I look at that as well. But I, I rarely look backwards. You know, what you did yesterday, I mean, it maybe is an indication, but I, I am 100%. What are we going to do next quarter? What are we going to do next year? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do today? And I think that's probably... I've made so many mistakes. If I look back too many times, probably I would get frozen in the moment. God, I'm going to screw up again, or I'm going to say the wrong thing again. I just look forward and have optimism about what's going to happen. And, um, you know, the law, I heard the law of abundance before when I was younger too, that there's, you know, there's always another opportunity out there. And I'm like, no, there's not, you know, but I've really ingrained that in, to my belief that there is there is more opportunity tomorrow. There's another opportunity out there. And so you got to be looking forward. You can't beat yourself up over what happened. You learn from it, move on. And I think that, that that's part of, seems to help at least me and moving forward. You're not wrong at all. What I was thinking was, 
if I wanted to go visit you down at Summit Bank, I would punch in your address. My phone tells me where I am now and, and where I'm going. So how I get there was preceded by where I'm going. And so when I say like plan going backwards, it, you have to define the destination. So the plan you kind of create from the destination of where you're trying to go and then going fo- you execute going forward. So the plan is kind of crafted with the destination. Certainly not as the guy who's messed up more than most people, paid a lot of some of that real world tuition. I try to look back enough just to make sure I don't have to take the same, the same class again. I want to pay that tuition once. That's right. Well, kickers have to have short memories too, don't they? <laughs> kickers do have to have short memories. That was, there's some things. <laughs> I didn't think you ever missed, Jared. That's, I never remember seeing a miss from you. You know what? What's interesting is, truth be told, if you ask me which kicks I missed, I could tell you every kick I missed. And if you ask me which kicks I made, I can't remember them all. So the misses are way more painful than the makes. That's probably true for life sometimes. Yeah. In the final minutes that we have here, I want to anchor the conversation and the thesis of this podcast, Success That Lasts. We're talking about goal setting. We talked about you know, Craig crafting these, this list at 21. I want to introduce a quote and a concept from Harvard actually itself. So the quote isn't from Harvard. If the ladder's not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us the wrong place faster. And so a book I read that was influential for me was a book written by Clayton Christensen around how you measure life. Ultimately, he he recently passed away. And he was a Harvard professor, an MBA from the business school there, and then became a professor and got his doctorate. The book was inspired when he went back to his 20th reunion at Harvard. And he saw people that were worth millions and millions of dollars. They flew there in private jets. They were the CEOs of some of the most powerful companies. And as he asked them how they were doing, there were broken marriages, estranged relationships with kids, substance abuse, heart attacks. And he began to, to explore like, maybe there's a different layer to success. It's maybe a little bit more textured. Maybe we were focused on the wrong things. And so that in, influenced some of the, the writing that he had and some of the classes that he subsequently taught. So I guess I wanted to introduce that topic of like, how do we make sure that our goals are on the right wall? Does that make sense? Scott, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push Scott in front of that, that tough question. Craig, you, you get ready, but uh, Scott goes first. Whew. No, that makes a ton of sense. I like, I'm a visual learner. And so when you read that quote, I mean, I just painted a picture in my mind and, and the quote that came to mind, I, I don't remember who said it first, but it's, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And to me, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, you, you're going to be moving somewhere. And that could be forwards or backwards or up a different ladder or up the wrong wall. And so to me, a goal, just that's the topic of the conversation today, a goal is what's going to help ensure that we're on the right wall. But I think it goes back to the values. What's really important to you? Who do you want to become? And what I like to do, what helps me is I like to picture myself in the future, whether it's as a, you know, earlier in my life as a father or you know, as a seasoned business professional or as a retired individual or on my deathbed and, you know, whatever those are and looking back and reflecting on my life and thinking, what was I happy about? What would I want to do more of or less of? And that has helped me to drive what my goals are to push me in the right direction. And you have to also enjoy the moment. You know, I have to enjoy the journey. Joy is found in the journey a lot of times as well. And so, you know, I, 
definitely don't want to confuse what I'm saying in terms of just always living for the next thing, because that's not the case. But as I pretend that I'm further, I'm ahead in that next stage, looking back, that helps drive what I do today. And so then now, as I am at a stage where I can look back on my earlier years in college or as a young father or, or you know, whatever it may be, I can, yeah, plenty of mistakes. We don't have to go through those, but overall, you know, be pretty, pretty happy with what I've accomplished. And it just motivates me for what's to come. And Craig, I like what you said too. I mean, I'm, you got to look forward. Um, because if we, if I dwelled on, I mean, I, I learned from the past, but look forward because that's what lies ahead and you might as well make the most of it. That's all you can do. Yeah. Now now it's your turn. That was a good answer. Scott gave Craig a lot of extra time to just, he's, he's going to crush it. So there they are. It's hard to see with my background. Yeah. For the listeners, for the listeners, Craig's got a rather (laughs) tattered and worn. That's a 30 year old goal sheet. Yeah. 30 year old goal sheet. That's legit, Craig. I would say uh, for me, it's okay to have thing goals. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's all right to want certain things and, and, primarily because they do drive the experiences around them. And I think it's okay to strive for certain things in your life. But I think the greatest goals are the experience goals. And when I think about some of the goals that I've set, you know, when we were in college, we, we had two outside activities that we wouldn't normally do as a goal. And I remember some of the things we did as a group of friends, and they were great experiences. And if we wouldn't have written down, and been motivated to do them because we were all holding each other accountable, then we wouldn't have done those things. And so along the way, achieving your thing goals are a tremendous amount of experiences that you otherwise wouldn't have experienced or shared with the people that you love on that journey to get to those things. So I think it's okay to strive. I don't think it's mutually exclusive and it shouldn't be, but I do think that that my goals are now more about about others, thinking about others, and then just my personal, you know, here's what I want to achieve. It's here's, here's what we can achieve. And so I think that's important. But I think it's okay to have those thing goals because it's the experiences that, that drive the success in those that are also enjoyable. And, and hopefully you're sharing those with other people. And that, that's typically the case. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Scott and Craig, thank you so much for sharing some some perspectives, some experiences, and some insights. I mean, as we think about life, truly time is the, the one resource that we can't make any more of. And, and goals can be a way to create intentionality and focus to really steward that, that resource well. Certainly enables us to realize more of our potential, have greater impact, and, and hopefully experience more joy along the way. So thank you so much for our time. And until we do it again, be well. <laughs>